Hey guys, welcome back to Fiction Fixation. We're your hosts. I'm Courtney. And I'm Rose. And this week we're going to be recapping the 2008 romance fantasy movie Twilight, starring Kristen Stewart and Robert Pattinson. I want to start off this recap with just a quick disclaimer here. Mm -hmm. We have done Midnight Sun in the past, which is Twilight from Edward's point of view. It was one of our first episodes, actually. I think it was episode like number four or something. Yeah, it was one of our first. But I don't want anybody coming back at me with receipts on what I said before. Okay. (laughs) This is different. Mm -hmm. I'm a different person today than I was then. Yeah. Maybe I'm better. Maybe I'm worse. Nobody knows. But my opinions change depending on who's telling the story, okay? Yeah. No, I totally agree. It was a completely different vibe. Reading Midnight Sun, getting Edward's perspective, because that was like a cute little romance story, actually. And then Twilight is just kind of like a creepy, red flaggy romance. You know what? Reading it from Edward's point of view and you get his perspective, it's definitely, it's darker. Hearing his rationale is definitely intriguing. Oh my God, I just realized by reading Midnight Sun, which is being inside Edward's head, we let him gaslight us. Like we were on his side the whole time. He literally (gasps) gaslit us. And we know he's a gaslighter because we watch him gaslight Bella. But you know what? Let's get into the movie. I want to say, first off, Mm -hmm. the movie starts off with the most emo line ever. Uh, It does. I've never given much thought about how I would die. First of all, I've given a lot of thought to how I'm going to die. How have you not? (laughs) How has your millennial ass not spent days of your life going over this? I think about dying all the time, actually. Like when I go get a mug from the top of the cabinet. What if one falls and hits you? Right. Cracks my face open. Dead. I step out my door. Like I could slip and hit my head on the concrete ground. Dead. I die 40 times a day in my head. What if I didn't wash my salad good enough and this is the time that I get salmonella and I die? Death by salad would be the way you go. If it's not petting a wild animal, it's death by salad. You know what? Mauled by backyard fox. (laughs) That would be like, yeah, that checks out. Yeah. No one would be surprised. Consider this a prophecy. Yeah. But yeah, let's get into Bella. Bella Swan. Beautiful Swan. Mm -hmm. It's just, listen, it's a regular normal name. Don't even worry about it. Or worry about it. I mean, it's (laughs) this was the era of long names that can be shortened Mm -hmm. to cute little nicknames. And now we're stuck with 18 Bellas in a sophomore class. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's fine. So when the movie starts, Bella is living in Arizona with her mom. And I want to note, because this comes in later, the filter of the movie in Arizona is like this beautiful golden yellow type filter. Everything's glowy in Arizona. I know. It looks gorgeous. It looks like the type of place where you couldn't possibly be depressed even if your dog died. Do you realize how much vitamin D they're getting on the daily? Yeah. I feel like we would go into cardiac arrest if we got so much vitamin D. For once in our lives, our doctors would be like, you need to stop going outside. You have too much vitamin D. (laughs) For the love of God, stop touching grass. You're fine. (laughs) Yes. Bella's moving to Forks, Washington to spend some time with her dad because Mm -hmm. her mom's new husband is a minor league baseball player. They want to go on the road. And so Bella's like, I'll make it easy for you. I'll go live with dad. And so you can go do irresponsible 20-something-year-old shit, even though you have a teenage daughter. Bella is an only child of parents of divorce, but I don't know if that explains her awkwardness. And let me tell you, the fact that Anna Kendrick is in this movie and Kristen Stewart still manages to like out-awkward her... (laughs) Oscar. 
Oscar. How she didn't win an Oscar for this, I don't know. Listen, Anna Kendrick, who's weird on her own, is the normal one here. She's almost like the cool girl. She is the cool girl. Yeah. As we were talking about the filter for Arizona mm-hmm. was this nice golden hour shine. The filter that they put on Forks is this dreary blue. Everything has this fluorescency blue sheen to it. I had to take extra Lexapro just watching this movie because just the visuals were so depressing. I feel like it looks beautiful, though. I want to go cry in the woods and have a beautiful aesthetic picture of mascara running down my face. I feel like it would just make me feel better. Washington is one of the most beautiful states in the United States. It has mountains and trees. It's very green. It's very lush because it rains a lot there. And that's what they're trying to convey with their little blue filter. Bella is picked up from the airport by her dad. Her Mm -hmm. dad is Charlie. He's the chief of police. And girl, that uniform. He's a snack and a half, man. Watching this movie at 18, I was like, oh, yeah, that's a dad. Watching this movie in my 30s, I'm like, oh, my God, wait a minute, Charlie. Wait a minute. What that mustache do, though? (laughs) He's got a mustache and I don't hate it. I usually don't fuck with mustaches. Charlie picks her up and Charlie, you can tell, has never spent any real time with his daughter since she was very little because he's so awkward. I guess she says she spends like a week in the summer with him. It seems like she hasn't been back in a while. And the reason we know that is because one of the first people she meets from town when she gets back with her dad is Jacob, who is apparently like an old childhood friend that Bella used to play with when they were really little. Jacob is a member of the Quillute tribe and Jacob's dad is like an elder member of the tribe and one of Charlie's best friends. Jacob could be in an Herbal Essences commercial or like some sort of Pantene Pro-V commercial with the beautiful hair. Jacob's got hair on him. Was it a wig? Oh my God, that's a good question. I actually could not tell if it was a wig or not. Should we Google it? Wig expert, let's Google it. All right, so yeah, he did have a wig. Okay, listen, you got me. You got me. I was not ready for that question. I didn't even think about it. Is this how white people feel when they watch movies? They don't even question it. They just accept. I don't question it. That's how I felt. Yeah, he has like this long hair. He's, you know, this Native American boy. Very attractive, very young. He does look very young. Mm -hmm. He's very bright-eyed, bushy-tailed. He looks full of hope. (laughs) He does. He's played by Taylor Lautner. Right. And there's a lot of hope in Taylor Lautner's eyes. The reason that Bella runs into Jacob and Jacob's dad is that they're dropping off the car that Charlie got for her. So this car, it's a very old red truck that has definitely seen better days aesthetically. But Jacob assures Bella that it runs fine because he rebuilt this teenage boy, rebuilt (laughs) the engine himself. You know what I appreciate about Bella is the fact that her dad presents her with this old beat up truck and he's kind of shy about it. Like he's unsure what her reaction is going to be. And Bella is so excited. Bella's like, oh, my God, are you kidding me? It's perfect. I thought that was really sweet. You can tell Charlie went out of his way to make her feel comfortable in the house. Charlie's making such an effort and you can tell that he's excited. Charlie seems very excited because he lives alone. He never remarried. So he's been all alone in this house, which is very obviously the house that Bella and her mom used to live in before Bella's mom left with Bella. But yeah, it's the middle of the semester for Bella's junior year of high school. And Mm -hmm. she's going into a new high school, which is, uh, that's rough, man. And like moving mid-semester is rough. Moving mid-semester to a town like Forks Mm -hmm. is even rougher because... 
population of Forks is what? She said 3,000. Yeah, there's like 3,000 people in the whole city. And imagine that percentage that is high schoolers. Mm-hmm. Everyone's grown up together. Everybody knows each other. They're all up in each other's business. And now you have this newcomer. Mm-hmm. She's a hot commodity. She is. Like as soon as she shows up at the school, people know her name. They're coming up to her like, are you Bella? Are you Bella? Isabella. She has to correct every single one of them. Are you Isabella? And she's like, actually, it's Bella. And you know what? I'm only going to say this once. And then I want you guys to carry this visual throughout the entire movie. The way Kristen Stewart plays Bella is not just awkward. It's like someone tweaking. She looks itchy. She looks jerky. Like her hands are shaking as she tucks her hair behind her ear. Doesn't she look like she's detoxing off of something very strong? She does. I think they were like, hey, so Bella's really awkward. So we need you to be awkward. And Kristen Stewart said, bestie, say less. Say less. I got you. (laughs) But you know what? They asked her to tone it down. So she toned it down a little bit. Yeah. But then they're like, you know what? We already cast her. It's too late. We have to (laughs) keep going. Yeah. I do want to say something about Forks High School. Forks High School looks like a pretty accurate depiction of a high school, of an American high school in the early 2000s. Uh-huh. And the kids here look like actual teenagers. It's not like a bunch of 30-year-olds. I look at these kids and I'm like, yeah, that looks like a teenager. Because they were all teenagers. And also they acted like teenagers. They were all like idiots uh-huh. joking around. It's not like yeah. in those movies where the teenagers are really sophisticated for no reason and speak in uh-huh. like long monologues with their thoughts about life. And you're just like, okay, that was not any of us at 17, but okay. No, the only long monologues we spoke in when we were 17 were song lyrics <laughs> for our aim away messages. Those are the only monologues we spoke in, okay? But no, I definitely, they all did look and act like teenagers, and mm-hmm. I did appreciate that. I feel like I felt more connected to the movie mm-hmm. because yes. they were all teenagery. Yeah, it's so true. It does take me out of the movie when there's like a 40-year-old like, hey, bestie, you ready to go to biology? And you're like, oh my God, go home. You have kids and a mortgage. Like, Don't fucking try to gaslight me. You see these <laughs> actors and you're like, didn't you just play like a 35-year-old mom in your last movie? Like, I... Don't fucking try to gaslight me, bro. Yeah, I don't... But they were all teenagers. But the thing is, everyone swarms Bella, okay? Mm -hmm. They want to do a feature on her in the school newspaper. They want to, like, get her on the yearbook. They want her playlist for the prom. People are... She doesn't even know half these people's names. She doesn't know any of their names. Right. They are all just swarming her, trying to get to know her. And Anna Kendrick's character says it best. She goes, oh, no, it's like kindergarten again. You're the shiny new toy. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Anna Kendrick plays a girl named Jessica. And Jessica becomes friends with Bella, but it seems involuntary. It it seems like it only happens because the boys in the friend group are obsessed with Bella and bring her into the friend group. You know you're being brought into a friend group when they bring you to their lunch table. Yeah. American high school lunch tables are the headquarters for friendship groups. Yeah. If you're not invited to the lunch table, you're not actually their friend. But also Angela, the other friend in the friend group, seems to be really genuinely taken with Bella. Angela's very friendly. She's very nice. Yeah. So Bella's sitting at the lunch table and she looks over and she sees this group of gorgeous kids coming in they look like they're gliding on the ground they're just floating through life 
this group of five beautiful teenagers walking into the cafeteria, Mm -hmm. okay? Bella, obviously, is like, who are they? And Jessica and Angela kind of giggle because obviously. And they're like, those are the Cullens. Mm -hmm. They're Dr. and Mrs. Cullen's foster children. They couldn't have their own kids, so they adopted these kids. But like, they're all together, like together, together. Yeah. And you see these kids coming in in what looks like pairs of couples. So first you have Mm -hmm. Rosalie and Emmett, and they are very obviously a couple. I mean, the sexual tension is never addressed in this movie, but my God, like Mm -hmm. those two have it going on. So Rosalie is this tall, blonde porcelain doll looking woman gorgeous Mm -hmm. and i want you to think of a linebacker (laughs) that is emmett emmett is this really huge football player looking dude and then yes behind these two we have alice and jasper Alice has a, she's like this tiny little girl with brown pixie cut hair. She looks really bubbly and she's actually like dancing Mm -hmm. as she comes into the the room. Jasper looks constipated. He looks like he's not breathing and he might Mm -hmm. throw up at any second. It's because he's not breathing. It's because he's not breathing. Spoiler. And then you have Edward who comes up behind them like a little fifth wheel all alone. (laughs) Yes. Oh, he's all alone. And he just looks pissed at the world. His little emo self comes in looking angry at the world. Mm -hmm. The first thing I notice about Edward rewatching the movie is that he has Ryder from Paw Patrol hair. Uh, He does have fuckboy hair. He has the fuckboy hair. He's not a fuckboy, but he's got the hair. So Bella sees these five people come in. She's obviously Uh intrigued. They stand out. They also all have really pale skin. It's Washington. It's Forks. There's a lot of rain. People don't get sun very often. Maybe not that weird, but they seem a little paler than everyone else. Yeah. And they only socialize with each other. Right. Like, why even go to school if you only socialize with each other? Yeah. Why can't you be homeschooled? Yeah. That would make much more sense. Their foster mom stays at home. She could homeschool them. After lunch, Bella's first class is biology. She walks into biology and she hands the teacher her schedule. The only empty seat in the class is directly next to Edward because nobody wants to be his lab partner because everyone's like, yeah, he's a weirdo. He's a hot weirdo, but a weirdo. Yeah, I found that interesting because he is simultaneously painted as the hottest most eligible bachelor in school and also like a weirdo that no one wants to sit next to a biology. I'm sorry. I don't know if those things go together. But Bella walks past a fan that's running in the classroom and the fan ruffles her hair and sends a stream of her scent toward where Edward is sitting. He turns his head. He covers his face. He looks like he just smelled something stanky. He stiffens up. And he almost Mm -hmm. looks like he's going to throw up. He puts his hands over his nose. (laughs) Like it's not, it's not subtle. Okay. Like the acting in this movie is not subtle at all. And then Edward just ignores her the whole class. It's a very weird class session for Bella because she has to sit next to Edward. There's nowhere else to sit. He Mm -hmm. is glaring at her with what could only be described as a murderous stare. Like he is glaring at her the Mm -hmm. whole class. He doesn't say a word. He looks repulsed and enraged by her existence. She's like, bitch, I just got here. Like the (laughs) fuck did I do? I didn't do anything. And then before the bell even rings, Mm -hmm. he's already grabbing his stuff to get up and leave. 
Yeah. And the next time Bella sees Edward is when she goes into the main office to like turn in her schedule or something. And he's in there arguing with the office lady, begging her to let him get out of biology. Yeah. The office lady is finally like, no, I'm sorry. You have to stay in biology. There's nowhere else to put you. He turns, sees Bella and goes, fine, I'll just have to endure it. I'll just have to endure it. I would be so self-conscious if the hottest guy in school was like covering his nose and looking at me <laughs> like I was a literal turd on his desk. I would be going straight to my new best friends, Jessica and Angela, being like, bitches, give it to me straight. Do I smell bad? What is going on here? Tell me, tell it to me straight. Am I ugly? Yeah. Do I look like Shrek? What is going on? <laughs> yeah. So that's how Bella's first day of school is going. Everyone's really nice to her, except for Edward, who is just, it's not like he's aggressive towards her, but it's like this passive aggressiveness. It's this like silent disliking energy. I would honestly rather you just punch me. <laughs> just punch, just punch me. The next day, Bella goes home and she, you could tell she's bothered by this. You could tell she's thinking about it mm -hmm. and she's actually planning to confront Edward because she's just like, you know what? I'm just going to ask him what his deal is. Yeah, she doesn't get that chance, though, because he just doesn't come to school for the next three days. It was like several days. Yeah, Edward doesn't show up to school the following day or the day after that. I mean, there were several days where he wasn't in school. Meanwhile, totally unrelated, don't even worry about it, there have been a string of animal attacks happening in the surrounding area. Yeah, large animal attacks, bear, wolf, some type of apex predator attacks. But you know what? This is, you know, the Pacific Northwest and there are bears and wolves. So not completely abnormal, but normally the bears and wolves leave people alone. Mm -hmm. So she goes to school. Edward's back in biology, and he just tries asking her about how she is in the weather. Like, he didn't just try to get away from her and then disappear for, like, a week. Yeah, the next time Bella goes to biology, Edward is sitting there, and he is looking less murderous. And mm -hmm. actually, he's looking more strange in a different way. He's kind of resembling more Jasper now. He looks a little shy and constipated. He looks like he's not breathing. And he does. He starts just small talking her. He introduces himself. He stares at her the whole time. It's creepy in a different way. Hello, I'm Edward. You're Bella. Yeah, bitch, I know my name. Greetings from this planet that I totally belong in as a human. Right? <laughs> He's so awkward. And she's like, where did you go? Like you were gone for like a week. And he's like, yeah, I was gone for like personal reasons, but also like you don't know him. Why do you think it's OK to be like, where the fuck were you for a week? I know. Yeah, that's so true. She's like, I demand an explanation. Edward starts asking all these prying questions about her. Like, tell me about your mom. Why did you move to Forks? So you don't like your mom's new husband? What's going on with this? Like, I just trying to understand you. He is Miss Chatty now. But it's uncomfy to watch because also you can tell she's a little bit loving the attention he even walks with her after class down the hallway he walks her to her locker which like listen butterflies when your crush walks you to your locker girl he's one step away from proposing <laughs> you're gonna have his babies the more bella talks to him the more she's looking at him 
and she realizes that his eyes are different because back when mm-hmm. he was looking at her like a murderer, his eyes were black. And she tells him this. She goes, are you wearing contacts? Your eyes were super black before and now they're golden brown. And he says, no, it's the fluorescent lighting. And then he walks away, just turns and walks away. Yeah, they're perfect for each other because they're both so awkward. So later that day, she's in the parking lot getting ready to go home. And it had snowed, as it does in the Pacific Northwest in March. And you know what? It's icy. The children, the teenagers with their death machines are (laughs) milling out in the parking lot. And a kid is driving in a van and he takes a turn in the parking lot and he hits a patch of ice. He loses control of his vehicle. He barrels straight towards Bella and he can't stop because at this point his van is going sideways. Yeah, his van is careening sideways toward Bella and Bella is frozen in front of her car. I do want to note, though, that moments before this started happening, Bella was making eye contact with Edward, who was on the other end of the parking lot, making eye contact with her because this is what they do with each other. They just creepily stare at each other from across wherever they are. And in the blink of an eye... As the van is careening toward her, Edward is suddenly next to her and he is stopping the van with his bare hands. He's stopping the van from slamming into her. Yes, he's crouched down next to her and using his body as a shield and puts his arm up and uses his hand to stop the van. Bestie. Okay, listen, stopping a car from squashing me like a sandwich with your bare hands. That's romance. (laughs) anyways now they make close eye contact he's like staring at her intense penetrating close eye contact and then he just leaves yeah well he like hops over her car and it seems like no one notices him because the van is blocking him everyone in the parking lot rushes over to bella the next scene bella is taken to the hospital dad charlie is there with all of his sheriff energy And this is where Mm -hmm. we meet for the first time. Dr. Carlisle Cullen, blonde, Mm. golden eyes, cheekbones that will wreck your life. Aside from looking severely anemic, he's fine as fuck. What that lab coat do, baby? Dr. Cullen is Edward Cullen's foster dad. And he's the one treating Bella. He tells Bella's dad, listen, she's fine. I checked her. She shows no signs of like a concussion or anything. Like she's good to go home. Bella is like, Edward actually saved me. Mm -hmm. And Charlie is even like your boy. And she's like, yeah, it was so crazy. He was nowhere near me. He got to me so fast. And Carlisle's like, oh, right place, right time. She's like, no, he was not in the right place at the right time. (laughs) He got there supernaturally. He got to me super fast. Yeah, direct eye contact with Carlisle. She's like, it was supernaturally fast, Carlisle. (laughs) And he's like, maybe I should recheck your head scans. Yeah. You concussed bitch. Maybe you're not okay. Maybe I need to admit you. You could see Dr. Cullen, obviously. Carlisle Cullen is also whatever Edward is. 
Yeah, whatever Edward is, that's also what Carlisle is. He's in on the secret. He's in on the secret. We have no idea and no way of knowing as of right now what that is. But yeah, Carlisle keeps his eyes on Bella's chart and he doesn't react. But in a later scene, Bella goes into the hallway to call her mom and she does my favorite thing where she almost turns a corner, but she stops because she hears voices of people spilling tea. God, I love that. I know. Lucky bitch. Bella overhears Rosalie and Edward arguing. She hears Edward say, what was I supposed to do? Let her die. And Edward's sister Rosalie is like, it's not about you, Edward. It's about all of us. So she's kind of saying like, yeah, you should have let her die. (laughs) Yes. Duh. Duh. (laughs) You were supposed to get a doggy bag and take it home. Supposed to put her in a doggy bag for later. They were going to take it to the morgue and put it for you and put it in a fridge for you. (laughs) (laughs) So, So they spot Bella. Edward goes over to talk to Bella. Listen, she does not hold back. No, immediately she's like, you want to explain what happened out there? Like you were over there and I was over here Mm -hmm. and then you got to me like immediately like what gives? And he's like, Bella, you hit your head. Edward says, I was standing right next to you, Bella. And she's like, no, you weren't. He's like, yes, I was. I was right next to you. Oh, babe, are you concussed? Because you sound concussed. Yeah. And then she's like, no, you weren't. And he's like, nobody will believe you. Yeah, so he tried gaslighting her first, and when that didn't work, he was immediately like, well, no one's going to believe you. He's a little menacing in that second, because I think in that second, he is like, you're a problem I might have to solve. Well, she says, I'm not going to tell anybody. I just wanted to know. Yeah. Bitch, first of all, you did already tell people. You told your dad. You told his dad. He's like, can't you just say thank you? God, Bella. He like walks away like so emo, like a teenager, like, God, just say thank you. Damn it. I almost ruined my family to save your life. So that happens. Bella starts having dreams of Edward being in her room. But whenever she turns on her lamp, he's gone. So obviously it must be a figment of her imagination. Don't worry about it. Don't ask questions. It's fine. What kind of creepy stalker would scale a two-story building and sneak in through a teenage girl's room to watch her sleep? Absolutely not. There's no way he's doing that. And also, what's interesting is that these scenes are now painted as creepy. They're painted as slightly erotic. I mean, there's like this haunting music playing throughout the movie, but it's not haunting creepy. It's haunting intriguing. It's like Anna from Fifty Shades of Grey being like really intrigued by Christian Grey, even though like he was obviously creepy, but it was that house of horrors kind of intrigue. That's the vibes that Bella is giving, which you know what? It all fits because these two universes are connected. They are because Fifty Shades of Grey was in fact Twilight fan fiction. Right. Moving on from that disturbing fact, Bella is recovering from her concussion and she notices that all of the Cullens are now absent from school for a couple of days. Jessica tells Bella because she notices Bella looking around for Edward. She's like, girl, he's not here. Anytime the sun is out, the Cullens love to go hiking. That's what it is. And that is the truth that we all accept and no one questions. Probably because these are like straight A students with AP classes and weighted grades. They're like, yeah, we don't give a shit. They're bringing our test scores way up. So like, <laughs> let them miss a couple of days of school. It's all good. We went from a three out of 10 school to a 10 out of 10 school just because of these five kids. So like, it's fine. You know, Bella and Edward have a few more interactions where he's trying to play cool, like nothing is weird, like he didn't do anything weird saving Bella from the careening van. And Bella is kind of like, I'm not dropping this, dude. 
I need you to tell me what happened. She even tries to wave a right flag. And he's like, I told you it was not a good idea that we're friends. Not that I didn't want to be friends. And she's like, listen, I need you to make your bipolar ass up. (laughs) She even says at one point, your mood swings are giving me whiplash because he snaps at her randomly and then he immediately apologizes. I'm sorry, I have to be rude. It's just better this way. So she waves a little white flag and she's like, hey, a whole bunch of us are going to the beach on Saturday. You should come. You can tell he's considering it. And he says, what beach? And she says, La Push. And then he's immediately like, nah. It's the beach on the Native American reservation. And we're getting vibes that the Cullens don't come here. (laughs) While she's at the beach that coming Saturday, she goes on a walk with Jacob and Jacob tells her this story about how their families are like enemy clans Mm -hmm. and the Quileutes are descendants of wolves and the Cullens are called the cold ones. And since the cold ones claim to be different than the other ones of their kind, as long as they don't come on Quileute land, that the wolves won't hunt them. Mm-hmm. And Bella's like, okay, tell me more. And Jacob's like, you're being crazy. It's just an old story. Like it's a legend. It does seem like Bella was using Jacob to get information on Edward, which is so sad because you could tell that Jacob has a crush on Bella. You know what? She definitely was using him because in the book, when she tells Edward about this encounter, she says it wasn't Jacob's fault. I tricked him. I flirted with him. Mm -hmm. I made him tell me. Yeah, she gets a good edit in the movie. Yeah, she goes home and starts Googling and she finds a local bookstore in Port Angeles, which is like a couple towns over. It's the nearest big city that carries a book about Quileute legends. She writes down the address and plans on going there. So when her girlfriends from school decide to go prom dress shopping, Bella decides to tag along, even though she's not going to prom, she decides to tag along so she can go book shopping. So Bella goes with her friends to the dress store and she's such a bad wingman. She's not, listen, you're supposed to be a hype man. If your friends are taking you dress shopping, you're supposed to do all of the Gen Z noises when they come out. You're supposed to say yas and queen and slay and all of the made up adjectives. Yeah, you're supposed to have them do the bend, squat, jump, bend over. You're supposed (laughs) to be like, your ass looks amazing. She didn't do any of that. So Bella is obviously so bored. So the first chance she gets she goes off to the bookstore that she had wanted to go to in the first place. She gets the book. By the time she comes out, it's already dark. Yeah. And she just des- she's supposed to be meeting her friends at the restaurant. And she decides, I'm going to walk through this strange, dark, foggy alley as a shortcut. Girl, it's like you're begging to be murdered at this point, to be completely honest. To be fair to her, as soon as she sees two shadowy figures emerging from the alley, she turns around and she goes, you know what? No, maybe not a good idea. However, these Uh two shadowy figures are not alone. They're actually part of a group of guys. The rest of the group comes up the other way and they surround Bella. And they're hooting and hollering and... They are closing in on her. There's one guy within the group that's like, hey, stop, don't. Mm -hmm. But the rest of them are definitely have nefarious purposes. Bella is obviously very concerned about her safety and well-being, as she should be at this point. But she doesn't have to worry long because a silver Volvo hatchback speeds out of nowhere, almost hitting these guys. And Edward flies out of this car, walks up and goes, get in the car, Bella. And she gets in the fucking car. 
Edward comes rolling in deep in his Volvo, all right? And I've never seen a Volvo look so cool. It, like, screeches to a stop. I know. He, like, jumps out. One of the guys tries him, like, oh, really, dude? You're one dude up here against five guys. All Edward has to do is bare his teeth, and he's making a little, like, growling sound. And the guy backs off, like, holy shit, this guy might literally have rabies. Like, Edward's just acting crazy because you don't mess with crazy but Bella gets in the car and then Edward jumps in the car and speeds away with Bella. He drives into oncoming traffic. Like cars are honking at him. And mm-hmm. he tells Bella, say something to distract me so I won't go back there and rip those guys' heads off. She goes, put your seatbelt on. He laughs at her. He goes, you put your seatbelt on. He says to her, I should rip their heads off. You don't know the vile, repulsive things they were thinking. And Bella's like... <gasps> But you do? You know what they were thinking? Yeah. Did you ever have the anxiety that your crush could read your mind? Because I totally had that yes. anxiety. Sometimes I still have the anxiety <laughs> that people around me at the store can read my mind. And then I'm like, did I think anything <laughs> unsavory about them? And so I mentally apologize just in case. The way I edited my thoughts in middle school, because I really thought people around me could hear them. We're really outing ourselves right now. What's funny is that we normalize shit that's probably not normal. Like, yeah, that's a totally normal experience. And everyone else is like, oh, God, it's like when two crazy people find each other. It's <laughs> like you hear voices, too, right? Cool. <laughs> We're normal. <laughs> I feel as though it's a more wider spread phenomenon than just us. I guess we shall see. Let us know if you also had the phenomenon of thinking that your crush could read your mind. Right. Anyways, Edward is like, let me take you to meet your friends. He takes her to the restaurant and her friends are already leaving. Her friends ate without her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They did not seem concerned. So the restaurant they're in, they don't say it's an Olive Garden, but it has Olive Garden vibes. Definitely an Olive Garden. What is up with the Italian food in this movie? It's brought up more than once. I don't know. Maybe Stephanie Meyer had a thing for Italian food. The author, Stephanie Meyer, was probably like, what's like really fancy and romantic? (gasps) Olive Olive Garden. Garden. (laughs) (laughs) But you listen, the unlimited soup salad and breadstick does hit, though. Yeah. Edward says, I have to make sure Bella eats. So I'll feed her and then I'll drive her home. And her friends are good wingmen because they're like, all right, Bella, wink, wink, have fun. This dinner scene, first of all, there are twinkle lights outside of this restaurant. And you know how I feel about twinkle lights. Anyone who's not a slut for twinkle lights, what is wrong with you? Who hurt you? Honestly. So yeah, this restaurant has twinkle lights. It's a very cozy environment. And also, I have to note, it's the first time in the whole movie since Bella got to Washington that the scene is lit very warmly. And I think the reason is that it's supposed to be like this kind of romantic scene. And it's really hard to be romantic when everything's very cold. Bella orders. Edward obviously didn't. Bella asks Edward, are you going to tell me what's going on? And he's like, I can't. She gets up to leave. Yeah. I don't know where she thinks she's going. (laughs) Your friend's already left without you. And he's like, no, don't leave. So then he finally starts giving her some answers. He says vague statements like, I feel very protective of you. And I heard what those guys were thinking. And so that's when Bella has to infer what he's saying. And she's like, so you read minds. And he says, I can read everybody in this room's mind. Apart from yours. Yes, I love that. She's not like other girls. She's special. She's different. Yeah. (laughs) I I honestly think the only reason Edward likes Bella is because she's a challenge. She's a problem. Yeah. Did you clock the hottest line in the entire movie? Which was? Edward says, 
I don't have the strength to stay away from you anymore. And Bella says, then don't. Ooh, Bella, you girl, you are girl bossing real close to the sun right now. Let me tell you. Listen, I'm all for it. Go for it, girly. Do it. I love it. Edward drives Bella home and on the drive, they accidentally brush fingers when they both go to turn down the heat and Uh Bella winces at his touch, which is always a good sign. Like you always want a woman to cringe at the touch of you. It's because his hands are so cold, but like how cold do your hands have to be for somebody to physically recoil from touching them? They're driving past this marina boathouse thing and they see cop cars there. And Bella says, my dad's still here. And she says, can you pull in? And so Edward pulls in and he goes, that's my father's car there on the end. Carlisle's coming out as they go to go in. And Carlisle tells them there was another animal attack, Mm -hmm. probably the same one from the mill from the next town over. Carlisle tells Bella, the guy that was killed was your dad's friend. So you should go in there. Listen, justice for Charlie, what Charlie went through before and during this movie is unspeakable. And I am I am tired of seeing Charlie suffer on screen. Definitely tired of seeing Charlie suffer on screen. But yeah, so Bella and Edward part ways. Bella goes to console her dad. And listen, this isn't like super relevant, but I just have to mention that as Bella's leaving the crime scene, there's like the morgue people are wheeling out the body and the body is in a body bag but the feet are sticking out. And I don't know why I thought that was so funny. I was like, why are the feet sticking out? Like, why? It's almost like they didn't trust us to know there was a body in there. They were just like, man, how are people going to know this is the dead guy? It's like, well, show his feet. Literally, there's just like two feet just sticking out. Maybe they just didn't have a long enough body bag. He's 6'4". You told me he was (laughs) 5'5". I don't know. Maybe they just don't have a lot of dead bodies and they're like, this is all we got. After Bella and Charlie get home, Bella takes out her cute little book that she bought Mm -hmm. and she goes straight to Google like we all would. Right. And she does her research and all the little pieces start coming together. She sees that in the book, there are creatures referred to as the cold ones. So Bella does a Google search in regards to the cold ones. And she finds this website that details legends of these cold ones across the world, like in countries all over the world. The words that stick out during the research are the undead, speed, strength, cold skinned, immortal, drank blood. So, you know what? If you were making a list of the perfect guy, these would all be things on it. I mean, that's what I looked for in a man. I did not find the perfect man. I found a man perfect for me. You did the best you could. I did the best I could. Yeah. So the next day at school, Bella goes to school. She locks eyes with Edward as they do. Mm -hmm. And then she walks right past him into the isolated woods Mm -hmm. to lure him there. Right. She walks into the forest behind their school without saying a word to him. And he follows her because he knows what's up. I love this scene. So this is the scene where the camera is panning on her in the creepy, foggy forest. And without turning to look at him, she says, you're impossibly fast and strong. Your skin is pale and ice cold. Your eyes change color. And sometimes you speak like you're from a different time. You never eat or drink anything. You don't go out in the sunlight. She goes, how old are you? And he says, 17. And she goes, how long have you been 17? And he says, a while. And she goes, I know what you are. And then he goes, say it out loud say it. So she says it. She says vampire. 
He asks her if she's afraid. That's when she turns to look at him because she is serious. She turns to look at him and she goes, no, I'm not afraid. You just realized I'm a vampire. Ask me what I eat. Okay. I dare you, girly. Ask me what I eat. He's mad at this point. He's mad that she's still not scared of him. He's like a little bit of fucking self-preservation <laughs> at this point would actually be appreciated. Now I'm starting to worry that you're actually mentally ill. So he throws her on his back and he like monkey runs, you know, across the forest to show her his disgusting secret of why he doesn't go out in the sunlight. He is like, you're going to hate this. <laughs> he goes out. There's like a sliver of sunlight <laughs> cutting through the trees. And he goes out and stands under the sunlight and waits for her to throw up. And she's like, I love shiny things. I've always been poor. He is glittering like a diamond. He looks like, you know what, though? I have to appreciate this because... It's like a very finely milled glitter. It's not chunky glitter. It's <laughs> no. almost like that when you find that perfect lip gloss, very subtle, glittery thing. And Bella says, you are beautiful. And he's like, this is the skin of a killer, Bella. This is the skin of a killer. Yeah, he tells her, listen, he has his little villain monologue here where he's, I am the world's most dangerous predator. Everything about me invites you in. And I'm like, really, Edward? Then how come you said Alona biology? You know what I'm saying? Anyway, he's like, everything about me invites you in. But then he says, as if I would need any of that. As if you could outrun me. And then he runs real fast. And then he says, as if you can outfight me, then he rips a tree out and throws it. He's really a show not tell kind of guy. The thing is, like he, I don't understand how Bella is not legitimately scared because he's almost threatening her. He's almost like, no, I will kill you. She has the absolute girl boss audacity to walk up to him, corner him against a tree and go, I'm only afraid of losing you. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> oh, Lordy. You know, middle school girls everywhere were just swooning. Bitch, break my back like you did that tree. <laughs> Listen, honestly, I think Bella is just so horned up that she's like, yes. Yeah. All of it, yes. Because he tells her that he has never wanted a human's blood more than hers. He tells her that him and his family are different from other vampires. They only drink animal blood. And he tells her he's been able to be around humans for a long time, but her scent... It's like a drug to him, which like, honestly, isn't that a line we've all wanted to hear? It's a little hot. So what you're saying is that I don't stink, that I actually tempt you. Imagine if it was just literally Bath and Body Works cucumber spray. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so yeah, so he says the reason he acted like he hated her when he first met her is that he he did hate her. He hated that she was seducing him with her scrumptious smell and that he felt like he couldn't control himself. Yeah. And all of this, he's saying it to warn her off. But then he also says, you don't know how long I've waited for you. I, I guess they skip school this day or something because they stay out in the forest. They lay in a meadow. There's like haunting piano notes playing weirdly over a Spanish style guitar riff. I don't know how to feel. Mm -hmm. It's like half haunting, half like a little bit like goomba, like I want to like dance a little bit, but I'm a little scared. So I don't know how to feel. Yeah. And the camera's just panning around them, laying side by side, but not touching in the field, staring at each other. So from this point forward, they're an item. They're officially an item. He picks her up from school, which in high school is a big deal. They roll up together in his Volvo. He puts his arm around her. Everyone in school is staring at them. 
And even his family, especially Rosalie, just death glare. His family looks really pissed. So we get an exposition montage, which I appreciate. It's just like a little montage of Bella and Edward talking out in the woods at different times. And she asks uh-huh. him questions about when he became a vampire and how you become a vampire and mm-hmm. questions about Carlisle. It's almost like she's low-key crushing, which girl, we wouldn't blame you. And Edward says he was dying in a hospital of Spanish influenza. So Carlisle was the head of the family and he turned Edward, Rosalie, and Esme into vampires. Esme is the mom, the foster mom, Carlisle's uh-huh. wife. And Carlisle had a different philosophy from other vampires. He thought that they could coexist among humans as long as they just drank animal blood. And Carlisle was a doctor. So he only used his ability to turn people into a vampire in order to save them from death. So in this little exposition montage, Edward tells us that he doesn't want to be a monster. Edward also tells her that the animal attacks that have been going on, they're actually other Mm -hmm. vampires because there are other clans out there and they aren't vegetarian. Yeah. And he said that normally they can not really worry about it because they're vegetarians and they don't kill in this area, but it does threaten their safety and their life here in Forks when other vampires stay in the area for too long. Yeah. And so Edward tells Bella that he wants to take her to meet his family Because she's only seen his siblings from a distance, just giving her the stank Mm -hmm. eyes. So this is her official time. He takes her out to the middle of the woods where there's this gorgeous house. First of all, where we're going to start is the giant glass walls. (laughs) Obviously, because secrets. It's a gorgeous house. It's very modern looking. It's like wood and glass and steel. So it's like a little like organic, industrial. It's not surprising that a family of vampires would have a house made up of 90% glass because we all know that people with glass houses have secrets. Yes. And Edward tells Bella, I told them not to do this and I'm like really sorry in advance. When Bella and Edward walk in, there's a bustle happening in the Cullen kitchen because the foster mom, Esme, she is in there cooking Carlisle, the dad, is in there cooking. And even Rosalie is in there cooking as well. Against her will. Against her will. So remember, they don't eat. So when Bella walks in, they're really excited. And Carlisle even says, this is the first time we've gotten to use our kitchen. And they're watching like a little YouTube tutorial on how to make Italian food. Yeah. And Esme's so excited. She's like, Bella, we're making Italiano for you. And Edward goes, she already ate. Mm -hmm. And then Rosalie, who's holding the salad bowl, just cracks it in her hands. Yeah. And it just crumbles to glass on the floor. So Rosalie is not hiding the fact that she doesn't like Bella being there. She is upset at this whole situation. And you know what? She's not wrong because what is Edward doing bringing Bella around the house when he knows that his brother Jasper is a brand new vegetarian and that's why Jasper is the one that looks like super constipated and in pain all the time because he is resisting the urge to kill all of these kids that he goes to school with. Yeah, so Edward's like, all right, this has been not a pleasure. I'm going to take my (laughs) girlfriend to my room. Yeah, he gives her a tour of the rest of the house. His room doesn't have a bed, obviously, because vampires don't sleep. He has a huge music collection because he's a cool vampire. He's not like other vampires. But he seems to only listen to like classical piano music because he's a fucking nerd. 
red flag. The next scene is Edward on the piano and he's playing this like composition that the movie doesn't tell us, but we know from the books, it's a composition he wrote for her. Mm-hmm. It's called Bella's Lullaby. A little haunting. It's a little haunting. But listen, okay, am I taken with this whole thing in the movie and in the book? Yes. If we're going to apply it to real life, y'all need to slow down. Mm -hmm. This is getting weird real fucking fast. Well, yeah. And then it gets weirder because Bella is back home. She's in her room by herself. And then the next Mm -hmm. thing she knows, Edward is sitting next to her on her bed because he snuck in. And she asked him, like, do you do this a lot? And I think she's kidding. Like, she's almost being sarcastic. And he goes, oh, yeah, actually, I do. I sneak into your room all the time to watch you sleep. Yeah, he's like, I find it calming to watch you sleep. And then he's like, don't move. I want to try something. And he leans in and she goes to lead in. He's like, bitch, I said don't move. (laughs) It is the slowest burn kiss I've ever seen on screen. Very slow, moving towards each other's faces. I can feel the chemistry between them. And listen, these two actors, they dated in real life. So the chemistry is there. As soon as they start kissing, she climbs on top of him. Yeah. And then he essentially pull, pushes her back on the bed, climbs on top of her before he flings himself off of her. Right. He throws himself. He yeets himself across the room against the wall. And he goes, I can't lose control around you. So you're saying I'm sexy? So you're saying I'm hot? You know what I got out of this interaction? Daddy ain't home. Because if daddy was home, daddy would have been kicking that door down with a shotgun. I know, right? Edward stays and they end up just cuddling all night. There's another little montage of them talking all night until she falls asleep. And then he watches her sleep. The next day, Bella decides it's time to introduce Edward to Charlie, her dad. Bella, there's no preamble. She's not like, hey, my boyfriend's coming over later. She comes over and she's like, hey... I'm going out with Edward Cullen while he's outside right now to pick me up. Charlie just clicks his gun into place and is like, all right, bring him in. Edward is very respectful. He tells Charlie that Bella is going to go with him to play baseball with his family and that Mm -hmm. he's going to take good care of her. They'll be back before he knows it. But also, I think that Charlie respects Carlisle. So he's like, okay, his son can't be that bad. He's the town doctor's son. So... There's some clout there in a small town. Edward takes Bella to this big open field in this four by four monstrous Jeep of Emmett's. The field is in the middle of nowhere. And Edward explains to Bella, we have to wait until it storms to play baseball. You'll see why. And the reason is because when they hit the ball, they hit it so hard that it sounds like thunder. I really love this scene. This is one of my favorite scenes in the movie. The Cullens, though, are such dorks because the whole Cullen family is there, okay? There's Carlisle, the dad, Esme, the mom, Rosalie, Emmett, Jasper, and Alice. They're all there, and they take their baseball game so seriously. They're such dorks. They all have some variation of the baseball outfit on. It's not a regular old boring-ass baseball game because let me tell you, baseball is Mm -hmm. boring, okay? Baseball is really boring, but this Mm -hmm. game is exciting. I have to appreciate the special effects in this movie because it was a low budget movie. It was an indie film. They didn't have like a huge movie production company or a huge studio behind them. And they still managed to convey superhero abilities pretty good. Even though some of the special effects were a little bit dorky, like when they show speed, they show the blurry residual of the person behind Mm -hmm. them as they're speeding. It's kind of (laughs) cute. I didn't realize it was an indie movie. 
It's an indie movie. Yeah. Honestly, I'll tell you what, though. A lot of people drag Twilight or whatever. I think this movie is one of the best book adaptations that I have seen because it doesn't try to follow the book scene by scene like a lot of other adaptations do. Twilight is my comfort movie. So Bella's playing umpire. They're all having a great time playing baseball, you know, the American pastime until Alice just screams, stop, because Alice has the ability to see the future and she sees trouble coming. What's happening is that there is another clan of vampires. There's three vampires coming onto the field. They heard the Cullens playing baseball. Alice sees the future, but the future changes whenever somebody makes a decision. So these vampires were leaving until they heard the Cullens and then they decided to come. So it's too late for them to take Bella out of there because vampires are quick. And instead, they just try to play cool. Yeah. And so Edward says, take your hair down. And I guess I don't know what taking her hair down was going to do I guess maybe like confuse which one of them she was I think it's covering the skin around her neck so it's insulating her funk maybe when these three vampires come out they introduce themselves there's James who is this weird white boy there's Victoria a redhead and there's Laurent and if I'm not mistaken he's Jamaican he seems to have like a Jamaican accent and he has like dreadlocks so it's very tense when these vampires come out because Carlisle being the leader of the Cullens he tells them like hey you guys have been causing some trouble for us hunting around here and the other vampires are like hey dude listen we're sorry we won't do that anymore we didn't realize that this was your territory and then the three vampires asked to join the baseball game. And Carlisle's like, actually, yeah, a few of us were just headed out. We have room. So Bella and Edward, they go to head out. They're like, okay, everything is fine. They're going to stay and play. We're going to get Bella the fuck out of here. But then the wind changes and blows Bella's scent directly into James's face. Yeah, James is a scary looking dude because I think it's because his blonde hair matches his skin tone and there's something so alien about that. But the second that James smells Bella, all of the vampires take sides. Obviously, the Cullens on one side, the other clan on the other side, they all crouch and hiss at each other. It looks like they're about to fight over the girl. First of all, I don't know why the Cullens didn't take this dude out right then and there. Because yeah. there's seven Cullens and there's only three of these vampires. They could have easily taken these people out. I think it's just Carlisle's morals mm -hmm. of not killing. Well, what they decide instead is they decide to call a truce, supposedly. And the other vampires are like, all right, no harm, no foul. We're leaving. But Edward can read minds. And you could see that Edward is not okay. And he rushes Bella into the Jeep and they rush out of there. And Bella is so confused. Listen, I was confused when I was reading this part of Twilight. I was like, what is happening? Because it looks like the danger is over. Like the other vampires left and Edward is like rushing Bella, telling her that I have to get you away from here. I have to drive you away. Yeah. And they're not really explaining it to her. They're not. So no one is explaining to Bella what's happening. But essentially... Edward read James's thought. James is our villain, guys, okay? And of course, if his name starts with a J, what do you do? You run away. Run away. So James is a villain. And Edward read James's mind and figured out that James is a tracker. So apparently a tracker is like a genre of vampires who specialize in finding uh -huh. people. And that's their kink, okay? That's what they love to do. That's what they live for. 
Yeah. And I don't know if it's just because James gets off on killing humans or if it's because Bella does smell especially good to all vampires Mm -hmm. or if it's because James wants Bella because he knows that Edward specifically has claimed her. Edward does say... I set him off when I did my little crouching, hissing thing to protect you. Because essentially, Mm -hmm. James is not going to fight these vampires. That's not what he does. He's not a fighter. But he's going to wait until Bella's alone and he's going to snatch her up and he's going to num, num, num like she's a corn on the cob. Edward says, I've now made this super exciting for him. So Edward's like, I'm going to get you out of town. And at first, Bella's like, no, my dad. He's going to track my scent back home to my dad. And Edward's like, fuck your dad. (laughs) Edward does not give a shit about Charlie. And listen, again, justice for Charlie, because this next scene is so messed up. So Bella and Edward come up with a plan about what to do about the dad. They know that James the tracker is following her because that's what he's going to do. He's going to be outside of her house waiting for her to be alone. And so Bella wants to make sure that James the tracker knows that she's not going to be home. Edward takes Bella back to her house and Bella puts on the performance of a lifetime. She storms in, yelling at Edward, saying she doesn't want to see him ever again. Of course, dad is worried. Charlie gets up. and He's like, sweetie, what happened? What's going on? Charlie's ready to throw down. He's like, did Edward hurt you? Because I've been dying to break this kid's neck. Just say the word. She's like, no, dad, he didn't hurt me. And then he's like, did he break up with you? She's like, no, I broke up with him. And then she breaks Charlie's heart. She's like, I can't do this. I can't be stuck in this town like mom was. It's so sad because essentially Bella is telling her dad as she's packing a bag, she's saying, I have to leave. I can't be here. I don't want to be here anymore. And Charlie's like, hey, listen, maybe I need to spend more time with you. I haven't been spending time with you. Maybe that's Uh it. And she's like, doing what? Watching lame baseball games and eating the same steak every day at the same diner. She's so mean. No, I have to go. She says, if I don't get out of here now, I'll be stuck here like mom. You can see Charlie's heart break into a million pieces because this is what happened with his wife. His wife woke up one day and realized she was bored and she didn't want to be the small town wife of a small town sheriff. And she grabbed her kid and she left him. And now mm-hmm. Bella is doing this. So we see James, our villain, is watching this whole scene from a nearby tree. Bella mm-hmm. gets in her truck and drives off. Edward obviously is really fast. So he catches it. It's actually really cool. I love it. He jumps onto the car and gets in as she's driving. Love it. Live, laugh, love it. And then after Edward gets in the car, Emmett jumps into the back of the truck. Alice is following behind them. Edward takes over the wheel. He is driving Bella to the Cullens place so that they can come up with their plan. But there's one tiny thing that happens I wanted to mention because they drive past a restaurant or something and Bella's friends are pouring out of the restaurant laughing and just having a careless time. And I just felt like that was a metaphor for dating an older guy because when a young girl dates a much, much older guy, she starts experiencing problems that she shouldn't be dealing with at her age. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you miss out on a lot of things that like kids your age are doing. Yeah, because you're busy running away from a murderous vampire. This is why you don't date Supernaturals in your teen years. You wait until you're 25. They get back to the Cullen's house and Laurent is there, the other male vampire. And Laurent is essentially like, hey, I don't want any part of this. I'm separating ways from James and Victoria, but you need to be careful. Victoria and James are like a couple, so they're going to be hunting together. He basically confirms what Edward already knows, that James has no intention on leaving Bella alone, that he's going to wait for the second that she's alone. So the plan essentially is that Jasper and 
Alice are going to take Bella to Arizona like she's going back home where her mom is. This was Bella's idea in the book because that's where she said she was going when she was arguing with Charlie. And so when the Cullens were trying to figure out where do we take Bella, Bella said, what's the last place he's going to expect me to be? The place I said I was going to be. Yeah. And then the plan is for Rosalie and Esme to put on Bella's clothes and to go running through the forest to throw off Bella's scent. We see Rosalie and Esme in Bella's funky clothes rubbing against trees to leave a trail. And James is chasing after them. He's a couple miles back. He's chasing the scent. Alice and Jasper and Bella, they get to a hotel room in Phoenix Totally. Driving? Flying? I don't know. In the book, they flew. And at this point, Alice gets a vision and she realizes that James is onto them. And he knows that Bella is not the one running at warp speed through the woods. <laughs> yes. And so the, then James stops and thinks. And he's like, that bitch went to fucking Phoenix. She did exactly what she said she was going to do. So then James hops on a plane. Alice, Jasper, and Bella are in a motel room and Alice gets a vision and she's drawing out what she sees in her vision mm -hmm. and she, she can't put it together. She's like, it's a room full of mirrors, windows, mirrors. Mm -hmm. Bella recognizes the drawing because it has a specific arch. Bella's like, like a ballet studio. She recognizes it as the ballet studio she used to go to with her mom. So for some crazy reason, Jasper and Alice decide this is a good time right now to leave Bella alone in the hotel room and go downstairs. I don't know, for some drinky drinks. I don't know. I would think that it'd be like, no, nobody leaves this bitch alone. They literally have one job and the first chance they get, they leave her alone. So now Bella, who has been trying to reach her mom all night when she left Forks, gets a phone call from her mom's house. And it's her mom frantically screaming, Bella, Bella, Bella. And then James gets on the phone and is like, your school doesn't protect their kids' privacy very well. He's like, I have good old mom here. And if you ever want to see her alive again, you're going to meet me at your old ballet studio. Listen, this is where the speech from the intro of the movie comes in because Bella decides... I've never given much thought to how I would die, but dying in the place of someone I love seems like a good way to go. Bella decides she's going to sacrifice herself for her mom. And James tells her, you better not tell anybody. I will know. If I sense that anybody else is with you, I will kill your mom. So Bella goes to the ballet studio and she hears her mom's voice and it's coming from like a closet. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's just a video of Bella hiding and Bella's mom looking for her mm -hmm. from the dance studio. James comes up behind her. He's holding a camcorder, one of those old school camcorders. Dude, I had one of those. He says that he found the camcorder at Bella's mom's house and it had that tape in it. And it was just the perfect little tape to play to trick Bella. Like, how lucky did this guy get? Essentially, James is like, so here's how it's going to work. I'm going to torture you. I'm going to play with my food a little bit. I'm going to videotape me torturing you and playing with my food, killing you. Then I'm going to send it to your boyfriend. Because he is very sadistic and it's not enough for him to just kill Bella or drink her blood. That's not what he wants. He wants to torture not just Bella, but torture Edward. Bella tries to use the pepper spray that her dad got her a while back. She tries to use that on a vampire. And guess what? There's no garlic in that because it does not work at all. It's all peppers. It's no garlic. It just annoys him. It just annoys him. So yeah, so he grabs her. He throws her across the room and then he goes over and he breaks her leg 
which is, I hate the sounds of bones cracking in movies. Yes, he breaks her leg and he's like, yeah, scream for Edward, Bella. Tell him how much it hurts. And so he's literally just playing with her and hurting her. Edward gets there first, but he doesn't get there fast enough because once James sees Edward's there, James bites her. Yeah, they get into a fight. Edward and James throw each other around a lot. And even though Edward is there, James manages to bite Bella. Now Bella is writhing on the floor. She has a broken leg. Oh, also, she like gets cut by glass. I think maybe when he threw her or something, Mm -hmm. she yanks glass out of her leg and there's blood just pouring out of her. There's blood everywhere. Luckily for Edward, the the rest of the Calvary gets there, okay? His family gets there. Carlisle steps in to help Bella and Jasper and Emmett take over the killing of James. Yes. So Jasper and Emmett go over and the way that they have to kill a vampire is they rip them into pieces and then burn them, burn to pieces. So that's what they're busy doing. Okay. They have a task. Everybody has a task here. So Carlisle and Alice are trying to help Bella. Carlisle puts a tourniquet on Bella's leg because he realized that she severed an artery with a piece of glass. However, there's still the issue of the vampire bite on her arm. Carlisle's like, Edward, you have to make a decision. You can let the venom do its thing or you can suck the venom out. So what Edward has to do is he has to stop sucking on her wrist when he no longer tastes the venom. Let's take bets right now whether or not he can do it. He's taking bets with himself. He's like, Carlisle, you know I can't do that. (laughs) You know I can't stop. Right. Carlisle's like, okay, well, I'm not going to do it. Alice has already saw this at a vision. She's already saw Bella being changed. Mm -hmm. This is it, Edward. So you can either choose to change it right now or let it take its course. So Edward decides, no, she's not going to change. And he manages to suck the venom out and stop himself before he kills her. So we don't see him actually stopping. Edward goes in and he bites in the same spot that James bit. Gross. And he starts drinking the venom spiked blood. And there's a point where Carlisle is like, okay, Edward, Edward, that's enough. That's enough slices. <laughs> like, <laughs> yes. You're done. And we see a little montage of Bella and Edward's romance. I don't know if it's Bella's life flashing before her eyes, but I do know that there is some man singing in cursive. Like, you know, those guys that were like, you don't know what they're saying, but they're singing with a lot of feeling. Yes. I definitely think it's like Bella's life flashing before her eyes. And the next thing we know, Bella is waking up in a hospital room and her mom is there. Her mom is there. Edward is pretending to be asleep in a chair in a corner. Her mom tells her, honey, I can't believe that you fell and broke your leg and went through a window. And Bella's like, "Uh (laughs) uh-huh. The story that was told is that Edward and Carlisle flew to Arizona to go talk some sense into Bella. Bella went to their hotel fell down third story stairs and out a second story window. And Bella's like, yeah, that actually checks out. That sounds exactly like what would happen to me. Don't worry about the human teeth marks on my arm. It's fine. Exactly. Completely fine. Normal. The next scene is Edward and dad Charlie waiting for Bella to come down for prom. Edward tells her she looks beautiful. He takes her to prom, drops her off up front and goes to park the car. Then Jacob shows up and he's like, my dad paid me to come talk to you. And she's like, oh, say what you have to say. And he's like, "Uh, he wants you to break up with your boyfriend. My dad told you, no big deal, that, quote, 
we'll be watching you. And then Jacob's like, <laughs> my dad's so silly. Anyway, Bella's just like, okay, tell your dad thanks for the concern, mm-hmm. but I'll be fine. And then Edward shows up and is like, All right, I got it from here, Jacob. You can fucking leave. I don't think they even say anything to each other. When Edward comes up, the mood shifts. Edward and Jacob glare at each other. Anyway... Edward gets Bella to dance during prom and Bella asks him why he didn't let the venom spread because if he would have done that she would be a vampire right now and she's like I could be like you. Yeah and he says isn't it enough just to live a long and happy life with me? It's not. I don't want to get wrinkly and old. Yeah and he's like you're ready to be changed right now and she says yes and so he dips her and leans in and he brushes his teeth against her neck And then he kisses it. So sweet. Mm, What a tease. You're going to tease me with your mortality and then not deliver? (laughs) Bella's voiceover tells us that she is determined to be a vampire. And so that kind of gives us a little hope, I suppose, for the following films. But then also we see Victoria, the girlfriend or the partner of that vampire they all murdered she's watching Mm -hmm. because she had nothing better to do but to crash a high school prom she is there and she's staring at them out like a window like a creeper and she looks very sad Mm -hmm. because they killed her boyfriend who was trying to kill bella don't even worry about it this doesn't come up ever again it's fine yeah just don't worry about it this is perfectly fine it's all normal so listen we will recap all the twilight movies but they will be on our patreon we are getting a little patreon together and we are going to be posting the continuations because you know we kind of don't want to be too repetitive on here doing like 16 twilight movie episodes yeah twilight is again my comfort movie i will talk about it all day every day the teapot is empty for today. Don't worry, more is bringing it on the way. We'll be back next week with another episode. See you next time. Bye.